Well, as a church, we're coming to the end of our series on the book of Daniel. And as we reach uh, this point in the story, it looks like it's the end for Daniel also. The Babylonian Empire has been overcome by the Medes and Persian Empire, ruled by Darius. Daniel is now an old man, he's in his 80s, but he's given even more responsibility by the new king. And he appoints three governors to rule over his kingdom, one of whom is Daniel. So in his 80s, and given great responsibility. So anybody who's getting 70 plus, there's still a work for you to do in this church. Okay, just remember that. And that's when the trouble begins, actually, because he had political opponents, and they became jealous of his promotion. And they tried everything they could to undermine him. And they couldn't undermine him in his work, so they tried in his private life. Sounds a bit like what happens in uh, politics uh, in, in the world today, doesn't it? They couldn't find a thing wrong with him. And so they said to, to Darius, look, you're such a great and mighty ruler. For the next 30 days, anybody who prays to any god or any person other than you, great King Darius, they should be thrown to the lions. And Darius, perhaps puffed up with um, this importance, he signed the decree. And under the law of the Medes and Persians, once the decree was signed, it could not be revoked. So what happened next? Michael, come and tell us the next part of the story. The reading today is from Daniel 6, and you will find the reference on page 892, 892 of the the Bible, the Pew Bible. And we're talking uh, today of verses 10 to 14, and then a second reading a little later, verses 20 to 23. Let's look at the first one. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands accordingly with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, Alter the decrees that you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sunset to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, 
Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much. Well, as you read there, the King Darius made every attempt to, as it were, save Daniel. He, he saw him as a trusted uh, ambassador, trusted worker for him. But he's reminded, of course, just heard, the law is there, it cannot be changed. Daniel has prayed to his God. The law says you cannot pray. The punishment thrown to the lions. And Daniel remained faithful to his God, whatever the cost. Thrown to the lions. I wonder what we know about lions. Let's um, ask you five questions, a little quiz. Um, see what you know about lions. There we go. Let's have our first question up. There are about 400,000 wild lions in Africa. Elephants. Oh, yes, there we go. There we go. But how many lions are there still in the wild? Are there 23,000, 50,000, or 85,000? Just because it's in red doesn't mean it's the right answer. That's there to confuse you. How many do you reckon? 23? 50? The answer is 85,000. 85,000. That was yesterday. There might be one or two more today. Um, I don't know. What about an average... Oh, there we go. What about the average weight of an adult male lion? Think how much you weigh in, in kilograms. What's the average weight of an adult male lion? 100, 155, or 190 kilograms. And it is, it's 190 kilograms. So with 23,000 lions, with 100, I said 85, actually it's only 23,000. Only 23,000 lions still in the wild. Now, male lions grow their mane the older they get. And these can grow up to 16 centimeters. They're a sign of that lion's dominance. Is that true, or have I just made it up? <laughs> I've heard true, I've heard false. And actually, that is, better check, it is true. It's actually true. So the longer the lion's mane, so the more important it thinks it is. You don't think that's right? <laughs> Who's asked the lion? <laughs> Next time I go on safari, I'll um, try and work it out. We need to ask a lion. This is the next question to the lion. How much meat can a male lion eat in a single meal? 20, 40, or 50 kilograms. Well, that's more than some of us here, 50. And the answer is 40 kilograms. That's a lot of meat. If you're a meat eater and having lunch today, see how much meat you're going to eat. 
If it's 40 kilograms, you've got a big problem. <laughs> and last question in our line quiz. Groups of lines often roar together. This again, this is what lines have said. Uh, to mark their territory. <laughs> How far away can a lion roar be heard? So the lion's roaring. If you're three miles away, can you hear it? Five miles away, can you hear it? Or eight miles away, can you? So there's a, a pride of lions roaring, roaring, roaring. Three, five, any eight? The answer's five miles. Which means if you hear a lion roaring in Ashstead, you've still got a chance to run away. Because <laughs> it must be at least five miles away from here. Well, there we are, lions. Um, well, poor Daniel, back to Daniel. He had a sleepless night. He knew what was going to happen to him. And no doubt the king had a sleepless night because he feared what would happen. Daniel is in the lion's den. And in dawn, the king goes to the place where the lions are. I wonder what he thought. Did he think Daniel would still be alive? Or did he know what would likely happen if you were thrown to some hungry lions? Michael, tell us the rest of the story. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God has sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders, gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. This is the word of the Lord. Daniel is miraculously saved. We read on, in keeping with the practice of the Medes and Persians, those who brought a charge against Daniel that proved false, then they suffered the fate for Daniel. And he now issues another decree that Daniel's king, Daniel's God, is a great and powerful God. And Daniel continued to prosper, we read, because his faith had saved him, a faith in the God who can even shut the mouth of lions. So that's the end of our Daniel story. There's more in the book. He has lots of strange dreams and visions that you can read about from chapter 7 onwards, but um, we're not studying those as a church. So what, what do we take away? We've had about three months of looking at this book. Let me suggest three things that we might take away to encourage us in our faith. And the first one is that belief in God will cost us. A relationship with God brings many benefits, as I'm sure many of us here have experienced. But like any relationship, it's got to be two-way. It demands time and effort, and at other times it's costly. 
And there will be times, and I think it's more and more in our society, when standing out as a Christian will bring us at odds with the values of the world. And that's a time when we need to stand up and be counted. For belief in God can be costly. But secondly, God's presence is assured at all times. This is one of the great promises of our God. To desert us in our hour of need would be really saying, God, you aren't as powerful as we thought you were. Now, that doesn't mean that we have no problems and no difficulties and life will be absolutely rosy. But it does mean that our God will be with us at all times. So belief can be costly, but God says, I will be with you at all times. And our third thing that we might take away is that God will one day vindicate us. It may be that for some of us here, a relation with, relation with God sounds a little bit strange. But there are many here who believe that. And if you want to talk about that further, I'd love to have a chat with you. But there's a promise that one day, God will be seen for who he is. Jesus will return in glory and in judgment. And if we think that it's going to be a wonderful, rosy life, that we don't have difficulties and problems, we've not understood God. He can act in miraculous ways. He still does. And some of us have seen those miracles for ourselves. He did it with Daniel and his friends. Remember, they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace and survived. But God doesn't always do that. And that's a mystery we have to live with. But the promise from this book is that when we're in challenging situations because of our faith, God will be faithful to us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. To live for Jesus requires faith, humility, godly lives, and the courage to stand up in the world. For there is a spiritual battle at, at, at work. But God will vindicate us. He always has, and he always will. And that's why we always need to give God the glory. We're going to sing of that now as we draw our service to a close. Let's stand to sing, To God Be the Glory.